Wasn't uh, last Sunday amazing just to see God move? I mean, what a blessing. And to see 26 people baptized. Can we just celebrate that one more time? Amen. All right. Hey, uh, we're going to be wrapping up a sermon series uh, just on identity. And it's a series that, that actually I got to start uh, a number of weeks ago. And, and I really do pray that you're just kind of holding on to what God is saying. You're not letting it go in one ear and out the other. Uh, I started the series, you know, out of 1 Peter in chapter 2, verse 9, where God tells us, here's our identity in him overall. And I, I want you to hang on to this, that you're chosen and he's made you holy, and now you are a priest. And, and I, I really pray that you'll keep going back to that, that you'll celebrate that, cling to that. In those times where you blow it, you lose your temper, or you feel like God hates you, God doesn't love you, God's turned his back on you, man, just stand up and claim your identity. Jesus, you chose me. Jesus, you made me holy through your sacrifice on Calvary's cross. And now, Jesus, you've given me a job to do. You've called me to be a priest. Man, I pray in this series that you really do embrace your identity in Jesus Christ. Uh, because identity is important, right? We all wanna know that there is something unique about us, that, that there's something worthy about us, that, that we're not just a cookie cutter person. Uh, we'd all love to think that, that we're gonna make some kind of contribution in this world, in our life, that, that I don't know, maybe somebody would wanna chisel onto our tombstone someday, right? Uh, or, or, or we at least wanna, we wanna think that there's something worthy, valuable, uh, that our, our kids will think of when we're gone. And, and honestly, I'm at the point, I don't care about kids anymore. I, want, I wanna know how my grandkids are going to think about me when I'm gone, right? That's what's really important to me. And so today, we're going to wrap up the series on identity, talking about women, a woman's identity. And the thing is, I mean, we've talked about overall our identity in Christ. We've talked about men, and now we're going to talk about women specifically. And we're not going to talk today about what the world says a woman's identity is or what society, we're not gonna talk about what tradition says. We're gonna talk about what God says about the identity of a woman. And, and I invite you to open your Bible to the book of Genesis. If you don't know where it is, just go to the left and, uh, and just keep going and keep going and keep going till you get to the very first book, okay? And then chapter one, and we're gonna read verses 26 and 27 together. Let me ask you if you would, uh, would you just stand and let's read God's word together? Would you stand with me? Let's read this. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female he created them. Remain standing and let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray as we open your word that you would open up to every single one of us, every man, every woman, a clear understanding of a woman's identity 
in you, Jesus. And we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, God bless you. Thank you for honoring God and his word by standing. And I do believe that is so important to honor God, to honor his word. And here's the thing. Every, every lady, young, old, in between, I want you to get this today. You are who God says you are. You're not who the world says you ought to be. You're not who some rom-com says you ought to be. You're not who your Instagram says. You're not who some guy wants you to be. You are who God says that you are. And I want you to notice, first of all, that God says you are created uniquely. Every woman, I want you to hear that. Think about it. Young ladies, I want y'all to hear that. You are created uniquely. Listen to this. Let us make man in our image. And I know there's gotta be about every woman in the room who's thinking, great, you're gonna preach on the identity of women and you choose a passage that talks about men. How fair is that? No, 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 I didn't choose a passage that talks about men. Actually, let us make man in our image. The word there for man is the Hebrew word, Adam, and it means human beings, it means people, it means male and female. It is a very all-inclusive word. And here's what he's saying. God made every single woman just as he made every single man, in his likeness. Now, what does it mean to be made in the likeness of God? That means that we are like God. God created us in such a way that we are to reflect something of who God is just by living out of who he made us to be. Let me put that another way. Do you realize every woman in the room, you need to understand this. There are aspects of God's character God's being, who God is, that reflects far more clearly the image and likeness of God, the aspects of God, than any man in the room could. Let me put it another way. Do you realize God has both maternal and paternal characteristics? They taught us that all the way back in seminary. I think it's about like 123 years ago when I was there. And so this has been, this is not a new teaching. It's not radical. As a matter of fact, you remember what Jesus said, right? Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing? What's that saying? It's saying that God created men in his likeness. God created women in his likeness. And that means that there are aspects of a woman as she lives out and reflects the goodness of God and the glory of God to the world around her. There are aspects of that in which she reveals some of the character of God that a man never can as effectively. So ladies, my encouragement to you is to embrace who you are in Jesus. Don't ever start thinking, gosh, I would rather be a man. I'd rather be in the shoes of men. Uh, it seems like men are always at the head of the line and, and I'd rather be at the head of the line. No, 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 listen to me. God says you are fearfully and wonderfully made and you reflect to the world something of God's character that men never can. I'll tell you, for my own kids, 
I don't want their image of God to be based solely on what they see in me. And, and I've got all kinds of faults and flaws, trust me. Uh, but but there, there are aspects of God's character that I have reflected in our family and to my kids. I, I, I think if you ask him, would say, I've really strived to provide, uh, to protect my family, to be loyal and trustworthy, to be steady and dependable. But can we just all agree that God is more than our protector and our provider? Is it important that he's our protector and provider? Absolutely. But he's also more than that, amen? I mean, I want my kids to know that God is also tender, just like their mom. I want my kids to know that God is kind, just like their mom. God is forgiving, just like their mom. God is slow to speak, and, and she's quick to hear and quick to listen and, and slow to anger, just like their mom. I want my kids to know that God weeps when we weep, just like their mom. And when it comes to tenderness and forgiveness and kindness, I do believe, I believe with all of my heart, all humility, dude, I mean, yes, let me just say it. I don't mind saying it. I believe they see that reflected in me. A little bit. And I believe they see it reflected brilliantly in Kim. And there are aspects of God's character that she can display far better than I ever can. So ladies, first, claim your identity. You are created uniquely to just shine the spotlight on aspects of who God is. Second, you're not just created uniquely, you are cherished equally. This is a great passage in the book of Galatians that says this, for as many of you or we're baptized into Christ to put on Christ, there is neither. Now let's talk about in Jesus, in the kingdom of God, in the economy of God. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male and female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. What is Paul teaching? He's teaching something really radical. He's teaching that God actually loves his girls as much as he loves his boys. That God has no second-class kids. He's teaching that women were not just an add-on into his design or his plans. He's teaching that he cherishes all of his kids equally. You see, in Jesus' day, he was born into, he stepped into a very patriarchal society. So you're going, what does patriarchal mean? Just think male-dominated society. And as a matter of fact, apart from God, apart from the influence of Jesus, apart from the teachings of Scripture, more often than not, any society that throws God out, the next thing that happens is women are devalued more often than not. Why is that? Well, because we live in a world where Satan is the little g God, and in Satan's world, might makes right. It's the survival of the fittest. It's the same thing on the playground. Uh, why does the bully get to swing on any swing he wants to swing on? Why does he get to slide down any slide that he wants to slide down? Because he's the bully. He's the toughest kid on the playground, and if you try to challenge him, he is going to beat you up. 
And so in societies that are not influenced by Jesus, women often have to take a back seat and they're devalued. But Jesus never hesitated to speak truth to society, even when society didn't want to hear the truth. Jesus elevated the role of women to levels that were almost scandalous. You go, how did Jesus, stepping into this patriarchal, male-dominated society, actually elevate women and demonstrate how God cherishes women as much as he cherishes men? I'll tell you how. Number one, do you realize he entered into this world through a woman without any assistance from a man? And that's kind of elevating the role of women, wouldn't you say, amen? Wow, that's pretty pitiful, I guess, whatever you say. Move on to the next point. Okay, let's move on to the next point. 40 days later when Jesus is presented in the temple, oh, oh, he's, he's greeted uh, by Simeon, and it says that Simeon is a righteous man and devout man, but he's also greeted there by Anna the prophetess. It says in Luke chapter two, verse 36, and there was a prophetess, Anna. And guess what it says? Anna, uh, when she is there in the temple greeting Jesus, when he's presented in the temple, 40 days old, not 40 years, 40 days old, it says this, and coming up at that very hour, she, that is Anna the prophetess, began to give thanks to God and to speak of him and to speak, listen to this, of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. This prophet of God, this preacher of God is entrusted, Jesus entrusted to this woman, Anna, to be the very first one who got to preach Jesus is born. She got to preach the very first Christmas sermon. You go, well, what about Mary? What about Joseph? What about the shepherds? And what about Simeon? He greeted her in the temple before Anna got there. No, 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 they all spoke about it, but they weren't prophetesses. She had the privilege of preaching the first sermon about it. And then let's go to the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. Did I mention to you it was a male-dominated society? Women were devalued. And so who is he going to entrust uh, the, the, the resurrection from the grave to? Who is he going to be uh, let allow to be the very first witness of that? Uh, well, if he, if he was playing along with this patriarchal male-dominated society, uh, since people didn't really value the opinion of a woman or the word of a woman, uh, he would have revealed himself first to a man. But guess who Jesus allowed to be the first witness to the resurrection? Uh, guess who it was? It was a woman by the name of Mary Magdalene. Listen to what it says. Jesus said to her, Mary Magdalene, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go up to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Do you realize Jesus allowed a woman to be the first to preach, Jesus is born. And Jesus allowed a woman to be the first one who proclaimed, and he has risen from the grave. I would say that's elevating the role of women above men. Joking, come on, work with me here. Are y'all awake? Not above men, right? But equal with men. He elevated women. 
in scandalous ways to demonstrate to us that women are cherished equally. And that's not all that radical. Every parent in the room, you get the idea that God actually loves all of his kids equally. Uh, for example, if you're a parent and you've got more than one child, two or more, quick, just, just shout it out, okay? As soon as I ask the question, don't even think about it. Which child do you love the most? Okay, if you got a boy and a girl, though, okay, now, come on, come on, work with me. You got a boy, you got a girl. Okay, which one do you love the most? Shout it out. Yeah, not even close, right? Now, I didn't say which one do you like the most, because sometimes, and that's okay, because right now they're thinking, well, we don't really like mom and dad much either right now, you know? But I said, which one do you love the most? And the reality is, you love all of your children. It's so radical, right? You love them all the same. And God's going, duh. I don't have any second class kids. I value, I cherish all of my kids exactly the same. And then he says, you're not only created uniquely. Every woman in the room, if you, if you follow Jesus, and you just honor Jesus with your life, you're gonna to reflect to the world aspects of Jesus' character that no man ever could as effectively. You're created uniquely. You're cherished equally. No second-class kids. And finally, you're called to minister. You're a woman. God calls you to be a co-laborer in the work of the kingdom of God. Where does that come from? Well, well, that's been the way God designed it all along. It's just the sinfulness of man doesn't allow that to happen in a lot of occasions and places. But all the way back in the Old Testament, there was a prophet named Joel, and listen to what he preached. And it shall come to pass afterward that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Did you catch that? What God is saying is, Everyone, men and women, are called to be co-laborers in the ministry. And don't think that was just an Old Testament thing. Peter stands up to preach at Pentecost, basically the first church of the New Testament, the first sermon in the New Testament church. And guess what Peter chooses for his text, his sermon text? You got it, it's Joel. And here's what Peter preaches. And in the last days it shall be God declares that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your what? Say it with me shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Women are co-laborers in the work that God is doing here on this planet. It's been that way since the beginning. Deborah was a judge over Israel. Uh, Phoebe was a key leader in the early church. It says in Scripture, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Centria. Priscilla and Aquila, and Priscilla, by the way, is the woman in the relationship. Aquila is the man. Uh, they heard this young whippersnapper preacher by the name of Apollos. And Apollos needed to be trained a little more clearly in the message of the kingdom of the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom. And so they pulled him aside. And notice what it says. He began to speak, and that's Apollos, boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, did you notice? Is Priscilla the woman in the marriage or the man in the marriage? Which is it? 
The woman. Which one is listed first? The woman. And isn't that interesting? In a male-dominated society, but it's telling you who took the lead in doing this. Priscilla and Aquila heard him. They took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. In Romans chapter 16, it, it's a long list of all the people who were involved and effective in Paul's ministry. And a third of the people on the list are women. Women are called to follow Jesus and to be co-laborers in fulfilling the great commission. Amen. That's a good thing, right? Now, I realize that when it comes to the role of women in the New Testament church, some of you may not even be aware there's actually some controversy around what's the role of a woman in the church. You could kind of summarize the controversy if you want to go really, really big picture, it kind of between complementarian and egalitarian. Complementarian, women are created equally, but they have different roles in the church. Egalitarian, women are created equally, and there's no distinction between what a man can do and a woman can do in the New Testament church. In case you've ever struggled with that, I'd like to just clear it up. It's easy. You just go to God's word. It says, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. That's what Peter said. Paul said, and by the way, the women should keep silent in the churches. It's just easy, right? <laughs> it's clear as mud. So, so what do we actually believe? I mean, if that doesn't exactly settle it. And let me tell you what the ancients have believed. And why do I say the ancients? Because the first time this saying that I'm about to give you uh, was put into print was like early 1600s, a, a Lutheran theologian. But most people believe the saying predates him. Uh, some believe it goes all the way back to the days of Augustine in about 400 AD. I'm telling you, this has been believed, embraced, and practiced by Christians through the centuries. And, and here's, here's kind of what we, we believe as well. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. Read that, freedom. In all things, charity. Read that, love. Love. The fact is, we're gonna have unity on the essentials, and there are some essentials of our faith. Students, I really pray that you would just really lean in and listen to this, because it's so important for you to understand. There are essentials of the faith, and then if you step outside of these essentials, you've left the faith, and you're believing in another gospel, believing in another savior, and the essentials are that Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. Jesus Christ lived sinlessly. Jesus Christ died on a cross in our place sacrificially. Jesus was buried in a tomb. Jesus rose again bodily, ascended to the right hand of the Father, and salvation is by grace through faith in Christ alone, and on that we will have unity, amen? That is a hill on which we are willing to die and we will not compromise Christ and him crucified. But then at the very same time, there are some non-essentials. Non-essentials just means that you and I could actually disagree on this and we could actually still both make it to heaven. And then we'll ask Jesus to settle the argument there. That's what a non-essential is, right? And a non-essential would be like egalitarian, complementary. You go, well, what is the Heights practice through the years? Well, let me tell you what they practiced years and years and years ago. Before I even came 23 years ago, women were not allowed to preach or teach men. 
weren't allowed to. And that, that, that was the case right up till the time that Barbara Van Horn, some of y'all may know her, a saint of God. I, I did her funeral a few years ago, and, and I was told this story at that time. And, and I talked to people in the early service that literally lived this story. Uh, here's what happened. Barbara Van Horn was a great Bible teacher. She started teaching the book of Revelation uh, to the women only because, as God says, they can't teach men, Right? And so only the women were coming, but the, 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 the Bible study was so amazing. The women started doing something so crazy. You know what they did? They started inviting their husbands, and most of their husbands were deacons, and so now the class becomes about half women and half men, and, and, and everybody's rocking along, having a great time, learning all about Revelation. It's a pretty non-controversial book, and they just loved it, and they're having a great time. And then somebody points out, hey, isn't it in our bylaws that a woman can't teach a man? And then all the men are in there and they're deacons and they're going, we better have an emergency deacons meeting. And they had one. And in this emergency deacons meeting, this is years before I came, 23 years ago. You know what they decided? They decided that Barbara Van Horn could teach anyone that she wanted to teach. <laughs> and since that time, it's been pretty much the policy of this church in essentials, unity, and non-essentials, freedom. In all things, love. Three takeaways that I really want you to take away. Number one, Jesus elevated the ministry of women in a patriarchal society to what many considered to be scandalous levels. Number two, there's room for us to disagree on the role of women in the New Testament church and still love each other and serve Jesus together. Number three, the great commandment and the great commission are not gender specific. Could you say amen to that one? No woman gets to stand before Jesus in heaven and Jesus goes, all right, did you make disciples? No, 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 no. That, that, was, the, that was the man's job. Did, did, you, did you baptize those that you led to Christ? No, 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 no. That's a preacher's job. Did you teach anyone how to follow Jesus more faithfully? No, 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 no. That, 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 that's the job of life group. No, I didn't do any of that. No woman is excused from being a co-laborer in the work of the ministry of the gospel. And so we understand that the great commandment and the great commission are not gender specific. And here's the thing that I want, to, I want you to hear. If we stay busy, focused on the essentials, Christ and him crucified, making disciples of those who are not, and then baptizing them, just like we did last Sunday, and then teaching those who are being baptized how to follow Jesus more faithfully. If we focus on the essentials, we won't have time to squabble over the non-essentials. And ladies, my prayer is that you will embrace who Jesus made you to be Cherish who Jesus made you to be. You're created uniquely. You reflect something of God's character that no man can as effectively. 
You're cherished equally. God loves his girls every bit as much as he loves his boys. And you are called to ministry. You are co-laborers with every man in the room in ushering in the kingdom of God. So ladies, what am I inviting you to do? Number one, I'm inviting you to embrace your identity. Answer the question, where am I co-laboring with all of God's children in ushering in the kingdom of God? You are a priest. You are called to ministry. You are called to be a co-laborer. Make sure that you are working to usher in the kingdom of God. Make sure that you know where it is that God has called you to be a co-laborer. Second, to men. Make sure that you value and cherish women in the very same way that Jesus does. Let me put that another way. Be careful Be really, really careful before you ever attempt to stand in the way of a woman fulfilling the calling that God has placed on her life. Final point is this. May we all trust Jesus Christ to be our Lord and our Savior. Don't don't miss that. See, here's the reality. There really is a kingdom of God that is coming. And the more I see the kingdom of this world, of which Satan is the little G God, the more I see how messed up it is. I know, just call me an old old man, okay? I I do it, I don't care. But the more messed up I see this world, this kingdom, the more I am looking forward to the coming of the kingdom of God. And let me tell you, it is not a messed up kingdom. You wanna know why? It is not a kingdom in which there is gonna be brokenness and sorrow and suffering and male dominated anything why because Jesus Christ is the king of that kingdom and he is going to reign and we are all going to fall down and we are going to follow him as our Lord our God our Redeemer our Savior our King and let me tell you uh, this King Jesus wants you to be a citizen of his kingdom male female man woman he wants you to be a citizen of his kingdom and he wants it so much that what he did is he came and he died on a cross and by that I'm saying he took your sin and my sin there upon himself he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf he took our sin and there on the cross he cries out my God my God why have you forsaken me what is happening in a way that is way above my pay grade to understand father and son for the first and only time in all of eternity are separated in some shape form or fashion as God pours his wrath out on his son wrath that you deserve and I deserve because the wages of sin is death but Jesus received our wrath there from the father on the cross And then he rose again from the grave, conquering sin, death, Satan, and God, and life beyond the grave he offers to us as a free gift. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can't merit it. All you can do is receive it. How do you receive it? You repent. Say, God, I'm sorry for living my life as if I'm my own king. How foolish. And I believe, 
I believe, Jesus, that you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I believe you died for me on the cross. I believe you rose again from the grave. And Jesus, I will follow you. I confess you as my Lord, my God, my Savior. Listen, if you've never done that, if you've never done that, My prayer is that right after the service, Trace is about to come and close us out, but right after the service, I'm gonna be right there at that next step room. Would you come and I'll connect you up with someone who will sit and explain to you more fully how you could become a follower of Jesus, a citizen of the kingdom of heaven this very morning. Don't leave without talking to someone about that. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for creating us in your likeness. Thank you for creating us as men and as women. Thank you for creating us in such a way that men reflect something of your glory and your character and that women reflect something of your glory and your character. May we embrace our identity. May every man here embrace his identity in you. May every woman here embrace her identity in you. I pray it in Jesus' holy name. Amen.